Let's go all the way back to where it started 15 years ago. After our major win at the Suncoat for Freedom contest by Sun Microsystems, the Sun Club was born, named rightly so. With Sun Microsystems eventually getting acquired by Oracle in 2010, our club explored more prospects in open source and finally became the club it is today, which we now know as Amphos. This interesting fact, along with so much knowledge of the club's history, is what Avinash Joshi has come to share with us today. All the way from the 2006 to 2010 batch, he's one of the winners of the Sun Code for Freedom contest and one of the active members of the Sun Club at that time. Today, he works as a senior software engineer at a YC-backed startup called Turing Labs. He talks to us from Dallas, Texas about everything ranging from how the club started and our first ever Foster Conference to striking a work-life balance and some wonderful career advice. This is the second episode of the Amphos podcast. Hello Avinash Bhaiya, welcome to the Amphos podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're, I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, same. We're nice. trying to cope up with the pandemic situation. Um, online classes are becoming kind of boring, but <laughs> we're trying our best. I wish I could say same here, uh, but I'm not taking any <laughs> online classes. So, so how how uh, is work at your end? Like, is it? It is good. It is all remote. Uh, okay. And. I used to work I used to go to the office before the pandemic and once it hit we went remote and recently I switched my jobs also um mm-hmm. we can talk about that a little bit later also if you want to mm-hmm. so uh it's fine uh I uh work from home I have a 2 year old son uh, he goes to his daycare in Montessori and my wife uh, she works for Cisco and she's also working from home so we are all tied in this house together <laughs> it's great okay. mm-hmm. it have a question for you so yes, um, go ahead. it's been a pretty long time since you've left the club and of course the club has changed significantly so like can you take us into what the club was like back then like how was it different from how we know the club today um that's a <clears throat> that's a great question and this so i to give you guys context i joined um amrita university in 2000 uh, in the 2006 batch so 2006 to 2010 batch was mine um and i joined the it batch which doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. um yeah. and you know i i am basically from bangalore uh, from karnataka and then they had the ct uh karnataka ct and then you have couple of seats reserved for each campus uh, amrita university yeah. campuses in coimbatore and i don't know how it is now but that's how it now you have amrita exams and all that but yeah. it was mm-hmm. uh, different back then um, you could use your state ceet exams to get into other campuses KC. so yeah so yeah so mm-hmm. i went through through that and i got into uh, amritapuri campus and then uh, it almost felt like i was an outsider because uh, i was kind of the only a uh, non malayali uh, kind of person who was in there it so it felt like a little bit outsider even though everyone was really friendly uh, but you know as you have a group it 
it happens anywhere like when you have your own group uh, when you speak a common language you you know tend to use that language more often uh, so i was trying to keep myself really occupied and busy and uh, i think it was like almost end of semester or so or uh, you know uh, beginning of my second semester is when i got introduced to vipin sir and then you know that's how i got introduced to the club but um anyway coming back to your question about how was the club at that time it was extremely different uh we had very few students now i don't mm-hmm. know how many students are there but how many you know students participate in the club there's uh, around 60 actually okay that's not bad yeah. okay yeah. that is not bad uh so imagine this situation no laptops no wifi uh no cell phones um and then you only get to you know work on your uh, lab machines like whatever machine you have in your uh, you know computer science lab i know you guys have not visited the campus itself uh, per mm-hmm. se but anyway uh, you only get to work on your uh, on your lab machines you don't have laptops so those were the uh, things that you know were we had to go through when we were um, uh, when we were getting involved with uh, the club and uh we had to get special permissions to stay back from uh our hostel warden we had to get special permissions from the uh, computer science department we had to get special permissions from so many people vipinsar had to do it for us so that and then he would take in charge and he would be like i'm personally responsible for these people uh these students and he would let us into the lab after school after college and we would sit like almost until 10 o'clock and then he would take walk us back to uh the camp to the hostel and he mm. was extremely involved with all of us like he would push us and push us uh, you know every single time and i think those were the kind of uh, you know things that we used to go with i don't know how it is now um i, I don't know if cell phones are allowed in the campus i don't know if you know i, I guess of course wifi and laptops are more common now but it mm. was really uncommon at uh, i mean not uncommon did not exist uh, when we were when i was in the club before so yeah yes. i mean but it was fun yeah. it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean now we have the luxury of like free access to like all our gadgets exactly. being online that's one benefit of online if you're looking yeah. at the silver lining yeah uh, i mean of course secretly yeah. secretly everyone had uh, everyone had cell phones uh it it used to be a huge you know see, we had to i don't know how, uh, how i don't know how public this is but anyway uh we used to hide cell phones and you know uh we used to, now it's all smartphone right so we used to have those nokia 30 3300 or whatever the oh, the brick phones yeah, that we had okay. and we used to hide mm-hmm. them you know and hostel warden used to come and do a check of the room uh, because uh-huh. it was it was not allowed to have you know Uh, and we would break the rules uh, it was not it was not right of us but we needed some way to communicate right so it was fun and there are times where they would you know the wall socket in the hostel they would uh, disconnect that so that we don't oh, get to charge our phones so oh. we would secretly yeah so we would secretly oh, unscrew it and then reconnect it back and then <laughs> charge our phones and when we hear a word that okay the the hostel warden is coming to do a check we would again unscrew and then disconnect it because they would come to check whether <laughs> so wow. those were the <laughs> insider secrets fun. from ampos exactly <laughs> exactly exactly yeah take notes everyone <laughs> yeah take notes <laughs>
nobody told you this <laughs> anyway so yeah it, it was fun it was really fun uh, to be frank um, mm-hmm. but we were dealing so as i said you know back in the time in when i was uh, in the club in during my engineering days it was like we not have any of those privileges and just imagine now we have laptops and then you can do whatever you want with it and then when we used to when we used to work on the lab machines of course we did not have administrative privileges right mm-hmm. you had to work mm-hmm. with whatever user you were given that's it and then we had to get special permissions to give us access to that one virtual machine or that one oh, application called virtual box you would only get Hello. permission to run that app and then from that we would install whatever ubuntu we would install uh, you know open solaris and all of those things and then you know go from there so yeah so basically that those were the times it was it was different wow okay that's a lovely insight into how the club was actually back yeah. then i think some of the points you mentioned like about um sort of vipin sir asking for you know to start asking for, for you all to stay back at the club i think that's still there i heard some of the seniors at least mention that that's um, good yeah but yeah like i think that those those phones i am not sure <laughs> but it's it's a really nice point that you mentioned yeah. that's great right now in our um this online mode we have like our only point of communication is uh, online meetings so for anything we need to sort of schedule a meeting um just to communicate so that it's become i guess more organized communication has become more organized rather than spontaneous um right. online but uh, yeah that's I, th- i think that's kind of the major change that we faced right yeah, primarily we have yeah. to force communication because like it doesn't happen exactly. naturally like we can't yeah. just walk up to like another club member so we've had to like schedule generally weekly meetings but like if we have a competition or something going on then we like on the spot we'll schedule a meeting that's i think the primary change of online yeah yeah that's nice i mean I, yeah so right now with the especially the pandemic and everything and having this online platforms is a huge blessing i guess yeah, and you guys have your own like uh not slack but whatever alternate you have for that um uh channels to discord uh, channels discord channels mm-hmm. yeah so you have those i guess to keep yourself uh, mm-hmm. occupied so bhaiya one more question so like it sounds like you had a great time in the club So is there any particular memory or like an incident that stands out to you as your favorite memory that you would be willing to share with us? Um there are so many. So um so I mean one thing that I can think about is um the Foster conference, the first Foss conference that we hosted in Amritapuri campus. Oh, okay. I feel like that was the one of the best times I've had um in the club about i mean along with everything is that we did of course but the the conference was a, a really huge thing for us because that was the first time um we were uh, you know hosting a conference and back in the you know when i was uh, attending college clubs would not be allowed to host any conferences or any you know extracurricular activities of course force is an extracurricular activity it's not a part of your coursework uh, and the you know the engineering department uh, the it department or computer science department mechanical engineering department 
they hosted uh, events and they hosted you know uh, activities and the university itself as a whole hosted you know the amrita kalotsavam and all of those uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know programs but the club itself any club for for example is not allowed to host as such so we were i think to the best of my recollection i might be wrong uh, we were the first club to host a a, a nationwide event <clears throat> without not without the support uh, i should, that is wrong to say but um by on our own basically like it was not uh, it was not a department hosted event it was not uh, it was hosted by amrita university but uh, the club fast club took the full responsibility and they were from planning the event to getting funding to hosting it from end to end it was all done by students with the support of all the faculty and teachers uh wow. and i still okay. remember yeah and i still remember the time when that you know uh people uh, people were saying like you know uh, you what you're trying to do is crazy you're not going to achieve it it's not going to happen but we made it happen through immense amount of you know grace and immense amount of uh passion from all students uh, everyone so this involved everyone not just people who were in the amphos or at that time it was just called the sun club i think or the fos club it was not called amphos that is a newer term but it it was not just the members of that club it was the support of everyone around it also uh hosting you know accommodation food uh people who had nothing to do with the club students uh of my batch and our seniors and juniors uh they came in and helped and then we got it done it was it was i think one of the most memorable time uh, uh that i had i think uh from the club mm-hmm. oh that's yeah. nice so now that you've mentioned foster foster the foster conference right foster yeah, conference right? yeah it was, yeah. it was called foster f o s s t e r foster and in 2009 was the first time we hosted it and i think there was one other time it was hosted i think after that i don't remember though mm-hmm. so okay. yeah so like now that you've uh, mentioned it uh, would you could you elaborate more on like what exactly went into the planning and scheduling of this entire event like how did you all make it happen did you all go through so, a particular process no i mean everyone in this was new to it right like mm-hmm. we had okay. no idea about how to host a conference there was no like mm-hmm. online resources on there, there's not like a you know a guide that was there to say okay this is the way you host it so what we did i think uh, if i remember it right is we would we had you know each department uh, like accommodation was a dip, one department uh, agent or the overall planning was one department and then registration was one department and we had another department for accounting and finance uh, who would take care of all the budgeting needs and all that and uh, we had a promotional team we had a graphic design team and we had a team who would uh, design content and reach out to um, potential speakers uh, we had a we had one team for that we had one team who would take care just about meals like food for the conference mm-hmm. uh, because people would fly people would fly and come from different parts of uh, the country it was not just for amritapuri students it was a nationwide conference and we went full blast on it and you know until i remember one particular event until the 
so we had the sponsorship uh, you know uh, guide where we would send out sponsorships to uh, potential companies to sponsor the event because we had to cover the cost somehow uh, mm-hmm. there was co- speakers where you know they would we to cover the flight charges for speakers and you know some companies were good enough that they were great enough that they would uh, you know sponsor the their employees to go and fly out uh, but you know there are many uh, speakers who could not afford that. Uh, we had lots of stu- student speakers. There was one uh, person I remember. He was he's um, called the Kerala farmer, uh, and he was a lot into FOSS. Uh, I don't know if he's still, but uh, and he was a farmer. Uh, he is a farmer uh, somewhere in Kerala, and then he came and gave a talk. Uh, so we had so many people, and until I think the last moment, we did not have. Uh, enough funding to make the program happen. We did not think that it would happen, and you know, uh, something happened behind the scenes uh, that uh, one fine day, uh, the uh, Sun Microsystems, the 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 company that I was interning for, and the uh, engineering or the the head of uh, the Bangalore um, engineering team, I guess. Uh, or the VP or some, I don't remember uh, what his title was at that time. Anyway, he reached out and said, hey, we want to uh, sponsor at the platinum level, which was the top tier uh, sponsorship. And then that was, I mean, we got other sponsorships, which were in a smaller amounts, but we had a deficit of some amount. So that mm-hmm. made it happen. And, uh, you know, it was a huge, huge amount of, you know, grace that uh, it happened basically. And everyone just came together uh each each department was independently run uh they they got the you know they, they got the say on how they were going to do it and then each department had a student head and they had a faculty head so there would be a faculty that is, that's responsible from the university side and there's a student who's responsible from the uh, you know student body side i don't want to say the club side because not every student was uh, a club there are a lot of people who are you know really good at managing stuff and uh, you know, I knew my classmates really well by then, and then they had specific set of skills that they could we were able to use for you know to for them to help us, and it was a it was an overwhelming success uh, to host that conference. Bhaiya, I think it's really interesting that you brought that up because even to this day, uh, Amphos is entirely student run, which I think is very impressive. Like exactly. even everything from. Like arranging fests, the hackathons, everything is completely done by our students. And I think the thing that that does is it really gives us like real world skills, like non-technical skills. Obviously, we learn the technical skills as being a member of the club. But like even in arranging this podcast, like communication skills, having to reach out to you, networking skills. So I think it really gives us a well-rounded experience. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. It's, uh, the club was the best thing to happen to me. Uh, that uh, That's all I can say. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask you one more thing about Foster. Um, if we maybe perhaps uh, have Foster as an online conference, what do you think are some of the things we should keep in mind maybe while planning this online? Ah, good question. <laughs> um, I guess you need to have. See, getting the infrastructure is not difficult. Engaging 
see, you know, when it is not an online conference, when it is in-person conference, you you have a certain room or you have tracks and you have sessions Mm -hmm. and people go and attend that and then they fully commit to that and they attend and then come out, right? No matter how great or mediocre or bad the content is, usually people don't just walk out. Very few people do that. Mm -hmm. Engaging, Engaging the attendees and participants, I think that should be one of the key uh, factors. How can you keep them engaged through the conference? And, you know, r- right now there are so many YouTube videos. And so if I want to learn a new tech stack, I can go to YouTube and look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, what what does it give me that I should attend this conference uh, that I don't get outside? So yeah. that is something, I guess, you have to look into like how how we can engage uh, planning it the right way. I think that that will be really crucial uh, aspect. One of the crucial aspects, I think. Uh, and attending virtual, I guess, I mean, you have those technical hurdles, which um, it might not be that hard. And then how to have an interactive session. Uh, if it is in person, you know, you just raise your hand and you're like, hey, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you create like rooms and all that? So. That's, I mean, there are softwares that do it these days, but uh, the main thing is engaging, keeping the engagement of students or the attendees, uh, and also to be able to help speakers, you know, uh, present basically. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a that's a that's an important point actually because uh, right now in the online mode, uh, a lot of it's keeping people engaged. I think is uh, the most challenging task here. Um, right. I guess we don't have like a lot of um, resources or tools at hand, I think, to sort of keep them engaged. We have only the screen. So I think, yeah. And in, and in yeah. YouTube, you have the forward button. So if you don't like something, you can like press forward <laughs> right. and then skip, skip a particular <laughs> thing. Or you, can, exactly. or you can hear you can hear YouTube in like 2x speed, 1.5x speed and all of these things. And, you know, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts and then I usually listen at, you know, a little bit higher speed and mm-hmm. my attention is low, but I, it's just running in the background kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Right. So that engagement, you know, somehow you need to be able to create engagement uh, with, the, with, the, with the group. Yeah. Another similar issue we are facing is like Amphos, we're kind of trying to grow the Amphos YouTube channel now. So mm-hmm. like a similar right. thing, like there's already so much, like so many videos out there on technical topics. So like right. what new thing can we offer that people are interested in? Because like there's already, the thing. whatever technical it topic, have... it's already there. Right, right. no, it, that's the thing. I, I See, uh, you don't, it should not be like what new thing you have to offer. I think the right thing is to say, uh, even if something exists, how can we present it in a better way? Yeah, definitely. Mm. You know, Absolutely. like how can I make it simpler? How can I dumb it down for anyone to understand? Or how can I make, I like, I really love this concept, but this video is really technical and it's too, you know, I'm, I'm not able to figure it out. How do I make it easy or how do I make it better? And, you know, you can, it can be the same content, yeah, but definitely. maybe the presentation is really different. You have some graphic and all that. And, it makes it better, you know. Mm-hmm. That's also along with new content. That is also, you know, a possibility. So you don't have to. I don't think we have to look at it like, oh, I have to look for new content, and I'm yeah. not able to find new content. It can be like, okay, this is an existing topic. As simple as how does 
how does http work how do how do you you know what happens when you type google.com on your laptop mm-hmm. uh there's an interesting video that shows everything but you know there are so many videos that will give you like technical deep down into hey routers and you know all of these things but the way you present it is really important also uh, yeah simple example is facebook they went down for how many like four six hours it was down yeah. and mm. well i saw so many articles about you know why it went down they went into deep you know networking and this and that but there's one i think uh, you know a, a tweet or a thread which really said you know in simple layman terms it told exactly what happened with facebook which was really mm. interesting so yeah a lot of people are building content but you know i think it's the quality also is important yeah i i agree yeah. and we actually have an edge there considering that we're students so exactly. like we know what it's mm. like to like get like bombarded with like all this technical jargon and like yeah. how it feels like to be so confused and like overwhelmed yeah. so i think like now that we've figured out figured it out at least to a little extent we can actually help in that regard yeah exactly yeah definitely give a fresh perspective like Because exactly. most of the people on YouTube are like tech professionals who've been in the field for a really long time. So yeah, I agree. I completely yeah. agree. So uh, Avinash Bhaiya, um, so in the time when you joined Amphos, I think it was at the beginning of Amphos itself, right? Like um, yeah. you were there when it just started. So yeah. how did you? take this idea that vipinsar had for amphos and sort of build it in a way that it actually attracted a lot of students in amritapuri so yeah i mean fos did not really exist in when i joined engineering right so mm-hmm. the way it worked is uh you had this so to the best of my recollection when i joined in 2006 uh, the initially we have this courses of c programming and all of this you know every uh, every branch takes the same course basically uh, to lay down foundations and uh, even though you know we, we were the it batch it was not necessary that the students who came into the batch were you know good in programming or they you know even though we had courses you know it was not necessary that they would you know grasp it in class so vipin sir you know i think he took it upon himself to uh, give extra coaching because he had industry experience and then he knew you know how things worked and he has a knack to explain it in a way that nobody else can explain it so mm-hmm. he would help these students uh, you know uh, to you know understand computer science in a way that uh, they could not grasp during course in you know, regular class hours so i think end of my first semester and beginning of second semester my uh, my roommate and my very good friend he actually said hey you know i have been going to vipin sir and he's and i come i come from a background where i had already learned computer science in my 11th and 12th so i i knew c programming i knew you know basics of computer science and i knew few things so i had a little bit of edge uh and you know i was looking for looking to do something more than just the coursework uh so that's when my you know friend said hey 
you know, I've been going to Vipin sir and he's really good. Maybe you should talk to him. He can, you know, give you some pointers. And that's how I met Vipin sir. And then uh, the moment I met him, I knew like he would be the guy, he would be the person who's going to transform me. So uh, I, you know, he, he guided me from the beginning, you know, he's like, okay, so you know these things, maybe, you know, try, you know, developing a website, you know, have you know, do you know PHP? Uh, maybe give it to, and he will not, what's unique about him is he will not sit down and baby feed you or spoon feed you or he'll not come and teach you. He'll give you pointers and say like, hey, maybe you should try this. Hey, maybe you should try that, you know? And then that's how he introduced me to PHP. And then I got full into it. I was like, whoa, this is so good. You know, it was back then, uh, you know, Python did not exist. All of these web frameworks were, all sites were basically PHP and HTML. So I, and coming from my background, I was like, I really loved computers, even from, you know, my childhood days. I, I still remember, you know, installing <clears throat> Windows 95, Windows 98 from floppy drives. And, we would, you know, you, you had like six floppy disks uh, that you, uh, how many were, 10, 11, I don't remember. Anyway, the, the, the whole operating system came in floppy disk and you would insert it one by one and then you would start the installation and then it, it goes through one floppy, it copies all of them into the into the hard drive and then you take it out and you put the next floppy and then you do, do the next one. So that was the installation wow. process. And mm -hmm. uh, it was, it just fascinated me. And in my, uh, when I was in my eighth and ninth standard and all of those things, when I was in Bangalore, uh, you know, I would, you know, tell my mom, hey, I'm studying and all that. But I would, in the background, I would say I'm studying some online content. So what I would do is I would, on the background, I would, you know, right click and then do view source and then try to see how they built the HTML <laughs> website. And then just copy paste and try to build my own. Uh, and those were the kind of things that intrigued me. I loved doing that. And then getting to know about this PHP is something that is dynamic and not static like HTML. It was really an eye opener for me. And then I built my own like little custom CMS, CMS. Uh, you know, it was really hacky. It was the worst CMS ever built, but it was a, it was a learning experience. So that happened. And then I, and then Vipinsur in the background, you know, he found out about this, the Great Mind Challenge, which our seniors, uh, they participated in and then they got accolades and prizes for it and all that. And then his, he kept looking for contests and he always wanted to give students to do something like he always wanted students to improve apart from the curriculum and he uh, found the sun code for freedom contest and we were actually late in participating uh, and we were quite after the deadline uh, had ended for you know registering to the con contest but Vipinsa contacted those people and said hey I will get you into students interest interested students will you uh, you know let us in and then we got in and then he said hey there's a contest for you are you interested uh you'll have to you'll learn a lot about operating systems and all that i said yes i will and then we had to compile uh the so solaris operating system so mm -hmm. solaris operating system uh in the lab machines and that's when i was talking about earlier where we stayed up late night and we had to do it on our uh, on the lab machines on a virtual box Wow. Uh, and VirtualBox was so new at that time for us. We had no, and it was like fascinating stuff. And now it's like everything is virtual. Everything is VMware. Everything is, you know, you can do a lot of, you can deploy Kubernetes and, you know, Docker and 
these fancy stuff and nothing exi- existed at that time um so we would build from source and it would be fascinating to see that one line of code change i was able to rebuild the operating system and test it out rebuild the kernel and test it out and then you know submit a bug fix and uh, to a company which was process is amazing and then we once i was comfortable with it we documented it and then we got more students involved interested and that was the beginning of you know my journey towards free and open source until then i had no idea about what is free and open source software so and probably 2000 uh, mid 2007 2008 i got picked up as the sun campus ambassador and one of my job role was to the the whole concept of sun campus ambassador was sun microsystems is now oracle for those of you who are not aware and it was um it was a pioneer and it is the company that invented java basically yeah and uh, they have server grade operating system called solaris and and they were trying to do community outreach and they have other softwares like netbeans and you know so many other things that they had at that time uh, they still do now uh, and they wanted to get their server operating system into you know hands there was ubuntu there was fedora red hat and all of those things and even mm-hmm. sun wanted to do something for the open source community so they built something called as open solaris and the whole concept of sun campus ambassador was that from each campus they would have student representatives who will uh, evangel- evangelize on Uh, sun technologies and open source technologies and all of those so mm-hmm. that's how i got involved and then they would have presentations and uh, they would give uh, you know they'd give not training but they would say like you know pointers oh, hey you can present on this so i would take that and then i would just uh, or vipin sir would help me and then we would um, present it and we would tell we would spread it by word of mouth saying hey i'm going to present on you know some upcoming technology you know who is interested can come to this Uh, uh i don't remember what it was called back then but they ha- we had uh, meeting rooms or something like that mm-hmm. so each class would have a projector <clears throat> and we would uh we would present over there and all that so that was the start of you know early days of fos club what what is called now called am fos was <clears throat> started off as sun club initially oh Mm-hmm. yeah so it started off as sun club and because you know sun was sponsoring all of these things and so and then we were like hey we need to have a fos chapter and then once we got this foster conference through sun club uh, through the club then i think we started you know slowly thinking about oh we need to make this a big thing in the campus so like let's make a create a, a club for fos so and then sun died i mean sun shut down its uh, program or you know i was there i was doing the campus ambassador thing for until 2012 2010 i guess uh, like jan 2010 which after that they i think they did not have any more like they did not pursue it after that and that's when we moved to calling it uh, you know fos club i think it was just called fos club before it was not called am fos mm-hmm. and all that and mm-hmm. i think more <clears throat> like in either end of 2010 or beginning of 2011 is when that the name of amfos started coming out which uh, which is what it is now so yeah it started off as sun club and then we transition transformed it into including like making it really open source and uh, open source contributions and you know it 
back in the day it would just be you know we would work on a lot of various things it would also be the bios club we would uh, you know i was also participating in that and uh, things were all like cross uh, you know they were all connected interconnected and you know now i think bios club is just first club and then you have bios as separate thing yeah but yeah, back yeah. then it was like back then it was separate clubs but then they you know they had something in common also like we, we would just you know it mm-hmm. was it was the same members in both clubs it it is possible it was possible Oh. So oh. yeah it was it was quite different the way it was before. Mhm. Oh, that's that's it's so interesting to know how Fos, the Amphos started. Uh that's really nice. So I mean I I do I mean uh I this is to the best of my recollection and the, I mean of course there are, there are a lot of other details um uh, and as you talk to more uh people they will give you different perspective you know this is my mm-hmm. perspective and you will have more perspective about you know their viewpoint about how the club was or what it was and all that mm-hmm. um but this is how i remember uh the the whole uh the beginning of uh, you know amphos nice yeah so what attracted you to open source contribution in the first place like I'm sure back then it wouldn't have been as like mainstream as it is now. So, what? Why yeah, specifically but, open source contribution? Frankly speaking, it was because of open source. <laughs> like, there was not like a you know motivating factor or anything like that. It was I wanted to learn, but you know I don't know where I wanted to put my effort into. And frankly, open source is the one who was like, "Hey, maybe you should try this." And there's not like a one particular thing you know that inspired me uh i i mean i guess the right answer is yes vipin sir inspired me he was, mm-hmm. uh, that is the that is that is the fact so uh that's what i think i should uh stick to yeah because i don't know like right now you have i don't know what, so what what inspired uh, each of you to join this like for i know uh, you know uh yeah i guess that, that that would be a good question to so i can you know like gauge if i if i'm missing out something well i am personally not into open source contribution actually i'm into the more competitive programming side okay. so um, so yeah see i was not i was not a lot into competitive programming i uh-huh. really did not enjoy it i do not enjoy it even to date if you ask me to give an interview this is one more side of me if you ask me to give an interview i i dread it i do not like the coding interviews just because you know it mm-hmm. uh, i am not i'm not that you know uh i'm not into you know competitive programming uh yeah. so yeah every person has his own uh what about you uh yeah so i i actually got, got to know about the google summer of code program uh, before joining amphos so i had like this intention that okay i need to join open source um to okay. sort of get into that so See, i never participated in google summer of code because i was busy mm-hmm. with you know sun microsystems and you know mm-hmm. those things so i never but i do know that uh, probably in 2008 or so or 9 also maybe i know you know my batchmate uh, you know few of them did participate in google summer of code and they were you know they got selected and all that and but you know at that time it was not like oh 
uh, Foss Club is doing it. It is just, it was just the, you know, it was just a community. It was just a, the Sun Club, I guess, at that time, which was, or there was no attachment to it also, I think. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, students were interested to do it and we would, uh, there was really a handful of students at that time, maybe 10 uh, or 12, maybe oh, okay. maybe 15 also. I don't know. But anyway, it was really, you know, really a small handful of people who are really interested and who would do it. Uh, so mm. that's why we never had any name as such. Uh, and Sun Club was its own thing, which used to do the open source evangelization and all of those things. So my only open source contribution was through the Code for Freedom contest, I would say. And after that, I never pursued it. Uh, I don't really know why, because I, I think because I got busy with BIOS and hacking contest and in CTF. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just, you know, the Foster conference and then FOSS in general, I got, I got really, uh, you know, tied up in that. And uh, because I was technically working for Sun Microsystems, right? So mm-hmm. uh, that was, uh, it was kind of a, an internship that I was doing. Uh, so I never got to, you know, got into actually contributing to open source projects. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean. Okay. Yes, I mean, like, for me, like, I didn't, I didn't really know what exactly open source was until I came into the club. So I just got to know about this uh, open source as this particular concept. Okay, something related to Google Summer of Code has open source. I did not have a very good understanding. But when I went to, um, when I came into the club, I really had this idea of, okay, this is about contribution. It's about communities. It's about um, building code for, like, um, a greater purpose so something like I think Amphos gave me that perspective on what open source uh, was but yeah I mean I think that that, that was like one a nice part <laughs> of it no, yeah it's similar for me too I think yeah oh okay yeah until then I un- until I joined like until I met Vipin I had no idea about any of these things so yeah mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the Sun Code of Freedom, like how um, you all participated into it, participated in it um, at the last moment. So, do you mind elaborating, like what exactly uh, happened at that time, and how did you all, um, uh, what did you all do in that particular contest? So, the Sun Code for Freedom contest was, you know, a, a contest that Sun Microsystems held. Uh, of course, that's why the Sun Code for Freedom. And mm-hmm. I, I remember vaguely that it it started on Valentine's Day of one year and then it ended on the Independence Day of the next year or something like that. It was some, okay. you know, okay. so that was the, that was the contest. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something. Uh, anyway, so the contest itself was basically to have uh, students to contribute to to not open source but Sun Microsystem uh, open source you know projects. So you could uh, contribute to Java, you could contribute to Solaris, you could contribute to um, uh, NetBeans, and any of these Sun technologies you could contribute to. And the and then you had prizes for the most number of contributions for you know the best contribution or you know. University, university wide, and then student wide, and all of those things, and mm-hmm. we took it upon ourselves to make sure that we were the best, and then 
you know, through Vipinsa's, you know, constant push, uh, we got a lot of participation. I believe we did 107, 106, 7 or something like that, bug fixes or something. And we were like, no no other uh, university came closer to what we had, how many contributions we did. And we had lots of students helping, like probably 10, I would say. My batch, I was the only one from my batch. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe think. Yes, I think I'm 100% sure I was the only one from my batch for this Code for Freedom contest. And then everyone else was my, either was my, they were my seniors, one level senior, and some from the MCA batch. Uh, but again, one, one year senior to me. Uh, so I believe I must have been the only one from my batch. Anyway, so, you know, and then we, after all the contributions, we won the first prize, uh, you know, for, or I won, me and one more guy, uh, Rishikesh, we, uh, Rishi, we, we won the uh, first prize for the maximum number of contributions and also university itself as a whole won the first prize for the total number of contributions from one university. So, and then they asked us to, you know, uh, they, they said that they would give Vipinsir and uh, me and one more and, and the other winner, they would give us flight tickets to attend the uh, Sun, Sun Tech Days conference, which is where they were going to give the awards out, right? And then Vipinsir was like, hey, you know, these many, all these students contributed. So how about, you know, okay, we don't need flight tickets. We'll take care of the accommodation. Uh, all you uh, all we'll need is the train tickets for all the students. That's it, and then and then the transportation, uh, you know, or the entry fees to the conference. And Sun accepted to it, and then Vipinsa took all the students, every single person who contributed, even a single line of code, whoever whoever has contributed to the conference or to the contest, he made sure everyone went to the Sun Tech Days conference and got uh, to. Uh, you know, got to get the prize uh, or got yeah. to visit, basically. Yeah, that was, it was amazing. So we went, all of us went in train and then we stayed in Amrita Vidyalayam in, in Hyderabad and there was a, you know, bus that was there and then we went to the conference. We we also went around and spent time in Hyderabad also and then looked around and all that. So it was, it was amazing. It was a great time. This conference was in India? Yeah, it was in uh, Hyderabad. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, it was in Hyderabad because so this Code for Freedom contest, I think, was held by the Indian division. I might be wrong about this, but I think it was just for India. Mm-hmm. I don't remember though. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So, and I, I mean, one more fun fact about me uh, when this contest, um, started in 2007 or whenever I got introduced to it, I used to do it on, as I said, you know, lab machines and all that. So one day I, when I went back home, uh, I told my, my, my dad, Hey, I want, you know, can I get a laptop and all that? And so uh, after a lot of debate, my parents got me a laptop and uh, the, so we got it home. And the first thing I did after opening is it came, it comes with windows by default. I wiped yeah. Windows and installed open. I installed Solaris and 
uh, Ubuntu as dual boot. And that literally freaked my parents out. They're like, what are you doing? I just bought a brand new laptop and you spoiled it or something like that. And, but anyway, I mean, they were supportive and all that. I mean, they, they knew what I was doing and all that, but uh, it was a funny tidbit. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, laptops are expensive, right? So it, it, was, a, it was a fun little thing. Yeah, I think for Vitra, I think we remember, I remember we had to dual boot our um, yeah, computer. That's that was the actually. first task for Amphos for us to get in. Yeah. Really? So we had to, yeah, we had to uh, do that dual boot because all the other tasks were dependent on that um, Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Most of them were Linux. Yeah, some based. tasks we yeah. had to like know the Linux terminal commands and stuff. Right, so. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah, I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't use it anymore. Uh, sorry to break everyone's heart. I use a <laughs> Mac right now. In, uh, in your time, were there, were, were there any um, tasks as such that... Oh, um, oh there's not... So anyone so could I, find... Yeah, I mean, so the okay. thing is that there was not many people who were really interested and it was not I necessary see. to have these tasks, right? Mm-hmm. Now it is different. Like now you have so many people who want to get in because, yeah. because of the because of how big and how great the club is. People mm-hmm. know, like you know, students who join the club are, you know, way ahead of their time, and they they, you know, they're way ahead of any other student who graduates from you know the college, and it is that's an established fact. But yeah. uh, it was not back then, and you know. The, people did not know what it meant to join FOSS Club. First of all, there's not like a FOSS Club. But anyway, people did not know what it... And I think only in 2009 is when we started, you know, building, uh, you know, things like... Uh, we actually started making it a formal club. And, you know, uh, I think it was right after Sun Club died. We made it formally FOSS Club. And <clears throat> then students started showing more interest. And that's when I think we... Uh, Vipins have started, you know, looking into how we can, you know, have this screening process or whatever, because that there is so much interest. So yeah. nothing like that existed. It was like purely based on interest, and people who were really interested was really few, and mm-hmm. you know that made sure that you know people who joined were really you know enthusiastic about what they wanted to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. And there were there were times where you know there were you know people would just come try it out for a couple of days and they're like uh, no I you know it's not for me and then they would go back or whatever so that happened too but it was very few people so we not need to screen yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah, I heard about just... it now it is different now yeah. it is different oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's, what it's is the big. number right now close the... to nine hundred that was last that I checked I'm not sure. But the, a think, lot. Yeah, there are <laughs> a lot of so people many registrations. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So I, I think see. in a way we owe it to like you and the other alumni to like Absolutely. for making the club as great as it is as today. It is, that yeah. we need to have tasks to cut down on the number of applicants. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's really yeah. good. So were there any skills like both technical and non-technical that you picked up from the club that like helped you in your career or in general? Oh my God! Uh, so many, very <clears throat> too many to too many to name. Um, my, even though I'm not, I don't consider myself, you know, a great presenter. Uh, I have not presented in a very long time. 
I am not, I'm really not a public person, but this, for the time that I was in my college, I was very public about stuff. Like I would give talks, I would give presentations. I would never care about, I mean, it was really, you know, it was daunting at first, but uh, as I, as I went into it, I would not, you know, care for what people thought about my presentation, how boring it was. I, I not care for those things, you know, uh, and I, started doing it more often uh, I learned that but after I came for my master's here in the US I really did not you know I not passionately uh, pursue it here as much as I used to know in, in Amritapuri uh, and the other thing is of course all of the all of the soft skills communication skills was through the club itself there is no other way I could have gotten that uh, and then, you know, at the, back in the day, we'd not, Git was not popular <clears throat> when I was in club. It, it used to be something called SVN, subversioning, you know, network or something like that. And there is no, none of this, you know, Git checkout, Git pull, Git merge, none of this existed. The, uh, and all of the code used to be stored in subversions. And it used to be mm-hmm. a, a process to actually, you know, get your code committed into it. And now it is really easy. Uh, so I learned all of those things. I learned how to, you know, how I can confidently wipe my laptop and be sure that it, it doesn't mess up was, you know, I, how, how I can do it confidently was through the club itself. Uh, my confidence to do stuff or to, uh, you know, to take that risk was through the club. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a lot I learned. Yeah, I think all of us FOSS members can relate to what you said about like going outside of our comfort zones. Um, I'm not sure if this was there back in your time, but now we have this thing called FOSS Talks, where it's like weekly, one of our members or actually a couple of our members have to present on a particular topic. So I think that's really helped in our communication skills, like having to present in front of an audience. That's amazing. That is that is a that is a skill that every person has to develop or you know at least try. And we did not have something like this, though Vipinsa would you know push us to present. And from me, from my perspective, you know, since I was a campus ambassador, I had to present. So mm-hmm. you know, but I think Vipinsa would try to get other students also to present uh, and all of those on various whatever they were working on at that time. He would try to get them to present and all that, but. It was not, there's nothing like, you know, or what is it called? Like what you said, you know, weekly force meet or whatever. We did not have anything like that. It was a bunch of students who loved doing something, would sit in a lab and then work. That's it. That was the whole con- concept, I think, at that time. Um, and we, we, I remember also we had, you know, Vipinsur was, uh, you know, uh, also started, helped uh, students start this club called Mindscape. Uh, I don't know if I don't think it's still around, but it was a big thing. It was uh, I, I believe it was short-lived, uh, but we would screen documentaries for students to come and watch. <clears throat> like oh, we would get a lab nice. or we would get a we would get a room with projector uh, and I, I not able to recollect the name of the room, but anyway, uh, we would uh, screen documentaries for anyone to watch, and we watched like so many good documentaries, and that was. One more thing that Vipinsur helped start, and 
we had people who were from the mechanical engineering batch also join not just the it was not nothing to do with fos right so he would help us do th- those things and then he would also you know do like tree planting and you know r- various other random things which you know we go out of our comfort zone to do so yeah getting out of comfort zone was one of the key things that i learned yeah yeah i, I think to add on to the fast talks uh, wipinsor also encourage us to create presentations on a particular topic so we we just did um a topic called on failed startups so each yeah. of us would um just pick a failed startup and actually analyze it and uh, put the effort to create a presentation and explain to the audience okay why did this really fail so and once wow. we do that um and then like we throw uh, we throw the question to the audience at times and um after the presentation gets over we ask do you have any questions or anything of that sort and then we choose people for the next presentation so this kind of kind of goes on for i think every friday we have this uh fast talk so that oh, kind of encourages amazing. us yeah that kind of encourages us to um speak in front of the audience really articulate our thoughts i think mm-hmm. that's one thing i really learned from yeah. the presentation yeah it's amazing you guys are doing this remotely i mean i would not i would be half motivated at your age to do it i think like i would be like hey computer games or something i don't know <laughs> yeah that's definitely a challenge we all face like it's difficult not to get distracted when it's like right in front of you and so accessible so i think oh, yeah. that's where the discipline aspect comes in where we have to yeah. like discipline ourselves and like regulate time okay this much time for playing this much time for work mm yeah, yeah i think Correct. the amount of distractions i think is kind of increased in the online yeah, world <laughs> yeah like kind of sitting in one place and focusing on studies or anything on of that sort's kind yeah. of a little more difficult how how are things um how have things changed uh, in your uh, job aminash bhai because of the online mode things have not changed much i mean i love remote working so uh, okay. you know i know a lot of people who prefer to work in person i i enjoy remote working i don't like to drive to anywhere to work i mm-hmm. you know it's just my thought process that you know that is a waste of time i guess mm-hmm. so uh, i i like remote working but of course there are challenges of you know the the closeness that you might have with other employees and all of those things and uh you know being on top of things but if you are motivated enough uh and if you are motivated enough about the company about the goal of the company it doesn't matter whether you're in person or remote you will make sure that you will put your 100% i think like uh, the being remote versus being at the company has i guess nothing to do there are a lot of companies that are successful and they are all remote so mm-hmm. uh, for me personally uh, i mean i guess this is a new new job that i moved to uh, and it has been fine so far yeah i think that both of us like me and you bhaiya are similar in the way that even i'm actually enjoying online mode more than i expected like if i'm studying something and i feel hungry i can just go grab a snack and like i can do things at my own pace i don't have to wake up 
I mean, of course, we have classes, but you can lie in bed and attend from the comfort <laughs> of your bed. <laughs> yeah. So. The the one thing, but that I think um, is uh, you know challenging about is that I have my own like work area, which is just for work, and then I have sh- set myself into a schedule where I you know wake up do my morning chores, uh, you know, and then uh, I usually don't eat breakfast. I just take uh, some coffee and then I uh, I work and then come back, come for lunch or uh, lunch and then, or not come for lunch. I take a break for lunch and then sit back again. And then once I'm done at 4.30, I go pick up my son and then come back. And then after that is family time until, you know, from 4.30 until whenever he goes to bed. Uh, it's like I don't do anything, no work related. I, you know, I literally like shut my phone off uh, mm-hmm. from any notifications, uh, and anything that is non-critical can wait. That mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you're starting to work for you guys, it's different now. You guys are students. You, ha- I mean, you you guys are always, you know, work, work, work. Do you know, yeah. study, uh, you yeah. know, you know, study, game, code, uh, learn. Uh, which is fine. That, that's how it should be for you guys. But as you transition to a work uh, life, uh, you also need to, you know, have some uh, gap in between where you can, you know, just do it for yourself or, or as a family, spend time, and you know, not always twenty four hours be <clears throat> in front of the computer. And even now, I guess, I mean, you you ought to keep like for students who are, uh, you know, in the FOSS club. Uh, for doing this, you guys need to keep like a certain amount of time, uh, you know, either for exercise or for your own stuff. Read a book, uh, you know, do exercise, go on a walk, uh, or even if you're not into into you know physical activity. I am not much into it. I do a little bit of yoga here and there, uh, but I do spend I do give the time to my family where I, I have almost undivided attention to my son. And to cook and to you know do chores where I clean the you know uh, kitchen and all of those things and or do planting outside. So find some activity apart from staring at a laptop uh, and doing gaming and programming and doing online classes. Apart from that, keep some time. Go play cricket, volleyball, football, whatever it is. You know, do something outside. Uh, don't just you you you. It can wait. Your your code yeah. can wait is basically what I'm trying to get to. And that was the hard part for me to do. And I did not do this until, you know, probably two, three years back. And I wish I did that in my engineering days, basically. So I wish I, you know, gave some more time for other stuff. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. So do you have any tips to effectively manage this work-life balance do you have anything that you follow on me on my phone uh i have this do not disturb mode uh so uh, i mean i use an iphone uh again sorry to all the am force members for being uh you know ditching the open source community uh Anyway, on my uh, phone, uh, you guys can do it same on your Google phone. I My screen is empty. This is how mm-hmm. my screen is. And I don't have any apps. And if I scroll one side over, this is, this is all I have. That's it. 
right? Mm-hmm. So um, there's zero distractions. I have turned off almost all notifications, and on my on the Apple platform, uh, it uh, you know you have something called as uh, send notification to summary, meaning that unless it is important, like a you can choose what is important or not, it will send into the notification like as a summary later. So when you're ready for it, it'll pop up. And then at that time, it'll say, okay, these are all the notifications from the past four hours for you to look at. So it's not distracting. Yeah. So find whichever phone you're using. I guess, you know, the whole point is reduce distraction. That is one thing which I learned, uh, which uh, I love doing. Uh, And, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm working, uh, I have my work mode on where, again, all the distractions of, you know, WhatsApp is not there and all of those things. So even though here and there I check Twitter and all of those things, but uh, I try as much as possible to follow this. And I try to, you know, in during the night, my phone is completely do not disturb, which is zero notifications, zero calls, nothing, unless it is from a person who is in my favorites or in my emergency contact, uh, the call doesn't come through. It just goes to, you know, it it's, it makes it silent, basically, even though the phone is ringing mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I'm going to try soon is to leave my phone outside and not bring it to my bedroom and mm-hmm. have it, you know, outside. And then, you know, after, because I had this habit of waking up and then looking at my phone. You know, yeah. hey, what, what did I miss? Same. You know, same. but you know, you, you wake up and then you sit and then you want to just, you know, just sit for some time. I, uh, my morning routine is I wake up, I sit for some time and then I have a one and a half liter of warm water, which I keep in my thermos flask ready previous night. And I keep it next to my bed. I wake up one and a half liters of water. I take about 15 minutes and then sip, sip and drink that whole bottle basically. And then I get up and then, you know, you know, brush and all of those things. And then uh, after that, check my phone and all of those things. So I have that routine and that is really important, I think, to have have some kind of, you know, non-distracted night sleep. And I've slept really good. I sleep really well. Uh, if I don't get enough sleep, that makes me, I, I sleep at least seven hours every day, minimum. Yeah. So I, the other thing that I do is, this is, I'm very strict about this, which is, uh, I mean, I, do, I don't eat breakfast, as I said. I do lunch at 11 and then my dinner at 7 o'clock or something like that. And um, in between, I don't eat anything. Like during my work hours, there's no snacking, there's nothing. I just, you know, work. And then when I take break for, take break for lunch, I don't bring, so a lot of my colleagues, I've seen them do this. They bring their lunch to their work desk. Yeah. I do not like that. I, I just, I don't know why. I feel like I'm disrespecting my work by bringing my, snacks is different because snacks is like something you're trying to keep yourself awake or you're mm-hmm. drinking, sipping coffee. I'm not talking about snacks. I'm talking about your food, like lunch itself or breakfast itself, bringing it to your desk or bringing it to your place of work. For me personally, it feels like I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm paying attention Uh to you know, I'm I'm so I I get I lock my laptop and then go to my table dining table and eat there, finish my food and then come back. In my office, I used to do that. I used to always get get up, go down and eat in the common area, 
and then I would finish and come up. Irrespective of how hectic the work was, irrespective of whether I had a deadline, it wouldn't matter to me. I would always take that break. I would never bring my foot to my uh, work desk. So that's a good habit to have, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just me personally. Yeah. yeah. I think that's actually very relevant to all of us, like embracing a routine. Because I think, like, now that we have like so many like hectic deadlines and like quizzes and everything, like even when we are enjoying or like playing a game or something, in the back of our head, it's always running. Oh, this assignment is due, so you can't like fully yeah, enjoy yeah. yourself. And then when you're working, you're thinking of, oh, I want to play this game. So you can't really commit to anything. So I think yeah, yeah. setting aside time, okay, this time I'm going to do this and only this, yeah. that definitely helps. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So, uh, Avinash Bhaiya, is, was there, is there anything that you um, wish that you would have known before you entered this technological field? You know what? Uh, I don't think so because I came with an open mind I would say meaning Mm -hmm. that I did not come with any preconceived notion that I want this is what I want to achieve and it's mainly because it it did not exist because right now you have like okay you know past FOSS members you know this is the statistics you know uh, they did these many contributions you have these many people who did and then when people are coming you know you have the stress level for incoming students to be like oh he did that she did this I need to get mm-hmm. there, uh, you know. Oh, I wish I had these before. I I knew about these things before I joined the club. Uh, I did not have any of those exposures, so I guess since I did not have any exposure, I did not. I came out came with an open mind, and I did not, you know, have any, you know, thing like oh, this is what I need to achieve, or this is where I need to go to. Uh, so, uh, frankly speaking, yeah, I I did not. I, I can't think of anything. Uh, but I do wish I learned, you know, you know, about many other things. I wish I had more time to learn uh, about, you know, like entrepreneurship or, you know, various other topics. I wish I learned. You guys, are, you guys have lots more topics to, you know, explore and a lot more people who are willing to do research and share it with other other FOSS members. Yeah, that right. that flexibility we did not have uh, because it was just, you know, first of all, it was a small group of people working. And mm-hmm. presenting that your work was not something that we, you know, was, you know, in the top priority. Uh, it should be, uh, but it was not at our time. And uh, that's really good for you guys. Like you have people who are focused on sub, you know, certain tasks, and then they will present it to the larger group. And that creates awareness around everyone. And, you know, that's, that is something, but I don't think I had anything as such that, you know, had I known this, it would have been better. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of the ways that we've implemented what you are saying, like finding out what other people were doing in like this online mode is we have this status update system where at the end of every day, everyone will send like a, a status update, basically like what they did in that day. So like we get to see what everyone else is doing. And in a way, I'm not sure if this is the right term, but like there's a certain amount of peer pressure there. Like mm-hmm. when we see what other people are doing, like we also find the need to like, oh, they're yeah, doing it, more than it us. Like so motivates you see. basically. Yeah, yeah, it motivates. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's almost like in, in companies, they call it stand-up. So it's almost like that. You you know, you just yeah. post a yes. status update. Yeah. yeah. I think over the time we kind of, understood how to effectively present 
the kind yeah. of work we've done that day yeah. so yeah it also increases the writing skills a bit i think yeah 100% yeah. writing is really important yeah. so uh, i follow this company called basecamp and you know mm-hmm. their whole theory is you know engineers should be good writers you should be able to put your thoughts in you know thoughts across not by talking but by by being able to write your whole requirement or your you know what are you trying to what feature are you trying to tell or what are you trying to build you should be able to articulate it in you know written sentences uh, which anyone can look at and be like oh okay this is what he wants to do you know mm-hmm. that writing and being articulate about something is really an important skill and i think doing this daily status meeting will definitely help you know improve that and you know it's good because it's in a closed group and everyone is learning together so there's no judgment like you know hey yeah. you know oh right. okay <laughs> you know he had a typo <laughs> here or something you know there shouldn't be any judgment you should all learn together basically absolutely i mean now i think now that you've mentioned the, this importance of writing um do you mind elaborating like how where exactly is writing so crucial in particularly in the technological field because i think um i I'm, i don't know but i seen like most people uh, most engineers who come in to this field it there's so much focus on this technology part but communication and writing skills are also equally crucial to their job because conveying their ideas uh, or the way they that you need to convey your ideas to the higher ups um that would be through your communication writing skills so right. would you mind elaborating how on that on that so on that importance i i really i mean when you guys get a chance you should uh, i can share this link also i can put in your show notes which is um Basecamp has this uh, concept called shape up uh, and that's a software development methodology that they came up with which is really interesting but one of the key factors that they have is uh, they encourage people to write whatever they're trying to avoid meetings basically you know that's the whole point you know why do you want to you know um disturb 10 people's time in a meeting when rather one person sits and writes on his thoughts and then he can share it he or she can share it and then the other nine people whenever they have time they look at it that's it mm-hmm. uh so you're not you know if i'm in between something i'm not, i'm in a you know flow of thought i'm writing my code or whatever i might be doing i'm not interrupted by this meeting basically so um that's where i think it comes from but in my particular case think about you know writing skills apart from what you just said about uh being able to present to the higher ups so there you have like you know uh, you will have presentation slides and all of those things mm-hmm. but as simple as release notes when you're releasing new software you want to write a release note i changed a bug fix i mean that's not that's not a release note or here's a feature you should be able to beautifully say you know or you know beautifully you know craft your release such mm-hmm. that it it looks really nice and it's enticing for people to read it one great example i can think of is one password uh i am not sure if many of you are aware of it but one password is a password manager just like last password so just go and uh check out their release notes it is one of the best release notes i have ever seen uh there are many like that um that's one of the places where i can think the other thing place i can think of is 
uh, when you find an issue or when you're reporting a bug, uh, you know, to be able to articulate it in a way that, say you have like 100 people in your organization, mm-hmm. right? Not everyone is aware of that piece of line of code that you found out about or, you know, a feature that you're trying to implement. You should be able to communicate written, not just verbally, but in written format, you should be able to communicate saying, this is what I'm intending to, you know, uh, uh, you know, implement, or this is the feature that I'm trying to propose or whatever it might be. So I think it's really important. And I am pro uh, return, you know, to be, to articulate and write down stuff, basically. So mm-hmm. it it can be shabby. I mean, it doesn't have to, you don't, you don't start off being a great writer. I mean, you just, mm-hmm. you do it on a regular basis and then you learn and, you know, don't worry about spelling mistakes. Don't worry about, you know, grammar. Don't worry about, just start the process. That's all. All it takes is start the yeah. process. That's it. You can worry about grammar as you, you, I mean, all of your students, you're, you're, you know, in your early 20s, you have, you know, this is, this is the time to start. I mean, just think about it. If you don't do it now and then you, and then somebody asks you to write a requirements when you're in your, you know, company and then you're scrambling, you're like, oh, is my grammar right? Is my spelling correct? And at that time, the tolerance level is much lower than right. when it is now. Mm-hmm. That, just think about that. Like, right now, the tolerance level is really high. You can make mistakes. You can afford to make mistakes. When you join the company, uh, however good the company is, you, you, you cannot... The the level of mistakes that that you can make is a little bit lower than what you can do now. So take the risk yeah. now. Do it now. Mm-hmm. Forget about what people think about you. Just write, even if it is, even if it is grammatically wrong, doesn't matter. Write and improve from there. Like go from there, and you know, constantly keep writing, and you you will improve. You will, as you read more, you know, books. As you read, you know, more software documentation. Uh, you will improve uh, in writing for sure. And then whatever feature writing, document. That's another great way to, you know, uh, improve your writing skill. So, yeah, it's very important to have good communication skill uh, along with, you know, verbal presentation, also writing. It's really important, I think. And I, I, I would rather, like even to date, I would rather uh, type something out and then post it in our company Slack channel, then just have a call and then, you know, discuss about it. I would first post like a gist of what I want to talk about. And mm-hmm. then I will, you know, we can have a call if needed, basically. And if you think about it, 90% of the time, you might not need a call. It can be easily resolved without a call. And why to waste everyone else's time when you can, you're just wasting, you're just spending your time articulating, improving your skills, first of all. And also helping others, you know, by not bringing them into calls. So, yeah, uh, yeah think about it from that perspective also. So that, that's something I would say. Uh, do it now. Risk is less. Just do it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like having this judgment-free environment is like a luxury. Like definitely, our seniors yeah, yeah. will give us like constructive criticism when needed. And like we can bounce ideas off of them and yeah. see what they think without them yeah. judging us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also as you were saying, like, being proficient in writing 
like I'm not sure if this course was there back in your time, but now we actually have a technical writing course as part of our curriculum. So like the focus of that is basically like simple and precise writing, like conveying the idea as like concisely as possible. So yeah. I we had some course, but I don't remember if it was technical writing. I don't remember. Maybe we did. I'm pretty sure we had something. We did have some kind of communication course. I know that uh, communication buildings course, but I don't know about technical writing. We might have had it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think okay. This is just like a fun question to ask you. Um, before I had um come before I knew that you were um ready to give the podcast, we had to. We did a bit of research, like exactly what to ask on. So uh, I went like through your Twitter to kind of get an idea of um, what you were working for, what content you like. So in in your followers list, I saw Barack Obama following you. Is there like a particular story behind it or is just that? No, that is no story. It was just a coincidence, I think. Uh, I don't even remember when it happened, why it happened, how it happened. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, I think it was in it was during his initial presidential campaign. I think, or mm-hmm. when I you know when when I went when I was selected to go for the Sun Code for Freedom contest, and it was initial days of Twitter's Twitter also, um, yeah. and he had just come on board Twitter. And I think this is what I'm thinking: is that whoever followed him, he would follow back. I think that's how it happened. Okay. I think. Really? I think. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think it was just fluke that it happened. And oh. uh, at a certain point, he was like, oh, that's not how it works, I guess. And his media team was like, okay, let's hold off on everything. And then, you know, <laughs> did not unfollow people, I guess, because it mm-hmm. would not look nice, I think. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I had totally forgotten about, about that. And then I recently found out and I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I did some research and I was like, it was just because I followed him. I think I might be wrong about this. So it is not that I was doing something extraordinary or anything. Like that. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting point. Like, I think I remember like all of oh, our club members were kind of fascinated. Like, whoa, <laughs> Rakhwa was following him. Yeah. And it's interesting. It was fascinating to me too. I wish I get an answer to why someday. <laughs> But it's a, it's a cool it's a cool achievement I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Irrespective of how it happened, it's pretty uh, cool. It's definitely bragging rights to say exactly. Obama Barack Obama follows you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, let's let 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 the story be out there that you know I did something cool in my life and then he re- was really impressed by me and then that's why he followed me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd let's, be nice. Let's make that the rumor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, one last question. I have any, is there any future advice that you can give to the students maybe that are currently studying online or anyone uh, that you'd like to give? My advice or, you know, uh, my thoughts for the current students would be, or even future students uh, would be, you know, as I said before, this is a time to explore. Put in your maximum effort. You have nothing to lose if you fail it's okay mm-hmm. and you should fail take it as a, as a compliment you know uh, as Einstein said he you know 
you try or edison i guess uh you you know he had to try multiple times before he got the you know actual light bulb to work um this is your chance to learn basically so make the maximum effort uh don't worry about failing don't worry about what people will think about you uh just do it and you know learning is never going to stop one more thing that i learned over the years is um you should be willing to unlearn something and relearn something else oh yeah uh be it you know technology stack be it anything you should be willing to you know unlearn what you already learned not have any preconceived notion and then learn a new thing you know or add on to your stack uh, that's also you know kind of important you know learn all the technologies that you have at your disposal you know basics whatever the basic questionnaires that you get from uh, when joining the fast club those are you know excellent way to get started even just attempting that itself will give you uh, an and a great advantage over you know anyone else who has not done it so that itself will prepare you for something different so you know yeah. do it like you know learn don't be scared of new technology learn new tech yeah. you know explore uh, just because it's a fancy word i used to be like that just because it's a fa- fancy word i'm like oh it's not for me it's too fancy you know uh, mm-hmm. it must be really hard I I I still was like that until you know very recently I still am sometimes and don't be like that and at the point of time when you are in your work life uh your scope to fail as you progress in life your scope to fail you know uh, reduces or the risks increase uh right. so why not take the risk in the com- in the very beginning you know yeah. get over with all the risks and then your mind will automatically be trained to not fail i think mm-hmm. and you will be willing to take more risks because you have already gone through the process of what it feels like taking the risk so your mind mm-hmm. will be already i'll give you a simple example in my case i was working for almost 8 years um in my previous job and then i was not willing to take the risk to move to a new job uh because i had this preconceived notion what if i fail what if something happens and i took the risk to i finally out of you know uh support from my wife and from vipinsar and all of them i was like okay fine it's time to move on i need to you know make a switch and i did it even though you know my mind was constantly saying hey you know you are happy in your job you know it's okay you know just continue and all that but uh had i taken more risks before maybe my mind would not be like this <clears throat> you know now now if i at some whenever in the future if i want to you know move i'm more confident because i already have gone through the process so i'm more i'm like mm-hmm. okay it's okay you know it's fine and all of those so take risk now only and then you know uh, just do it and then uh, it'll be okay it's uh, anything is possible so you know take take your risks and all that and how much ever you you know uh, how much your efforts you put you know <clears throat> amma our chancellor uh, says you know along with your efforts there is another factor which is called grace you know even if you put 99% effort if that 1% grace is not there i guess it, you know 
you you need that one person also to you know get into this into the next level i'll give you a simple example you know uh, i had a lot of grace in my life uh, immense amount of grace uh, just think about this uh, had my parents not found out about amrita university through a paper advertisement okay uh, had they not encouraged me to apply uh, you know had i not taken the resolve to say that okay i am willing to stay in a hostel outside my home state uh, apart from my family and in a totally different state uh, i am willing to take that you know take that risk and go and had i not get gotten the last seat that was available for the it batch in amrutapuri uh, based on karnataka ct had i not gotten that last seat and had i not uh, you know uh, met vipin sir uh i would not have gotten any of this accolades that i have to my name right now and if you notice a pattern here in each and every step i have given my ultimate i mean i have given my effort i have put in my effort but there's also a factor of grace which is for my parents to find that article in in the newspaper my parents to uh encourage me to you know apply and for me to get that last seat like it was amazing when i went to the when i went for the counseling session to get uh, a seat uh, or to you know get a seat in amrita university and as soon as i said uh, okay i talked to my parents like and I, there was a big board i don't know how it is now but anyway it, there should be a big board where they would say mechanical engineer computer science ec uh, it and all of those and then they would say how many seats are available how many are full what what is the status and all that and then the moment i said hey i want to do amritapuri it that was the last seat in computer science for me or for that batch and i was like okay that is something so <clears throat> things like that i mean along with the effort the amount of grace that you have just let it flow don't don't stop it basically is what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. put your effort and you know leave the rest it will things will happen things will fall in place and they happen for a reason there, there is no doubt in that right. whatever happens will happen for a reason and uh, do not question why it is happening uh, do not be demotivated by why that is happening there is a reason there's an ultimate goal which is why it's happening so that's uh, a, that's, a, that's, such, that's such a wonderful way to look at it like any of your failures or something that's always a learning process exactly. that maybe that's why it's happened to you instead of yeah. getting demotivated yeah that's yeah. wonderful exactly. to see it yeah and i think even about keeping that learning mindset is very important like especially in this tech industry like there's always this new software coming up there's always mm-hmm. some new update so like we kind of always have to be on our toes and like ready to learn new things like it's so easy to get like attached to like a particular language or particular software but you have to keep in mind that like as time progresses like new software is going to come up so yeah. yeah yeah and even what you were mentioning about being intimidated by like all these like big fancy technical words like actually now as part of our induction process there's a lot of freshers coming in and they're also seeming to go through those same hurdles that we went through last year of like oh what do these things mean and like being intimidated by like everyone else seems to be so technically advanced so like it's easy to get scared by that so i think keeping in mind that everyone is on their own learning path and everyone has their own learning speed is important 
Yeah, I mean, just think about in your case also, where you know you are learning about ML AI. Had you thought of it as you know, oh, this is fancy. I, I know I don't. I will not know any of it. I mean, you not have gone into it, and then once you're into it, you're like, oh, okay, this is. I love it. Like you know, you would not have known until you took you you went into it. Uh, so yeah, you you have to be willing to learn and then you know just do it basically. I. And I wish each and every member of the AM Foss Club uh, all the best and, uh, you know, keep trying. Do not give up. Just keep trying always. And no matter what, uh, even if you're not met, you know, Vipinsar in person, keep him as a North Star. He will be there mm-hmm. to guide you every single moment of your time. Whatever problem you have, he he will be there to support you and he can guide you really well um, and take your i mean you have plentiful resources uh, there is very there are very i have not known many universities where you know alumni are so involved with uh, you know the activities that happen in the college like am foss i don't know about other you know stuff in amritapuri or in amrita university but at least for am foss the alumni is so actively involved. I have not seen any other place where this much involvement is there from an alumni. And that is something, that's a resource that you guys should cherish and then make use of. It's amazing how, how, the, uh, how the whole uh, support system you guys have. It's just truly amazing. So make use of it. And you know, if you have any thoughts, question, you want to reach out, I'm sure along with me, I'll be happy to help. And, uh, you know, you can reach out to me at any time. And uh, along with me, there are many people who will be willing to help. I know it for sure. I know it for a fact. And if you, if any of you want, it's an open invitation. If any of, any of you want to talk to me or, you know, not for advice, but even just talk, just, you know, we can, we can make that happen. And I, I don't mind sparing uh, it's not even sparing. I don't mind, you know, doing it once a week or, you know, once in a couple of weeks, uh, you know, just talk. So just use what you guys have at your disposal, basically. Yeah, we are really grateful for having such a big and like diverse alumni network. So thank you so much, Bhaiya, for taking the time out of your day to be a guest on our podcast. It was really interesting and eye-opening actually to hear about your experiences in the club and even with open source contribution and also how the skills that you acquired as part of the club helped in your career. And um, I'm sure I speak for all of our listeners when I say it was a pleasure having you on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Pleasure is all mine too. And I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, as I said, wish you all the very best. Thank you so much, Peya. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we did hosting it. We release our podcasts weekly. So don't forget to tune in next week on 15th February at 9am IST for our upcoming podcast with our next surprise guest. Happy listening. <laughs>